This is Geek Gab with your host, John and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, April 30th, 2022. I'm trying to think of something witty to say, but the only thing that's coming to mind is that, man, Twitter is jumping recently. Uh, Twitter's on fire, huh? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people coming back who had been I, either kicked off uh, or had left, and and they're all coming back, and it's kind of weird to see. I'm a. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm expecting Milo to walk through the door any day now. <laughs> now, now something happened to precipitate that. Uh, yeah, everybody thinks it's, it's like completely a done deal, but it's, it's just a, it's a agreement. Yeah, it's agreement. And, and it's a, an agreement with hefty penalties. All these copy, uh, all these people who are high on copium, they're saying like, oh, Elon Musk is buying, he said he's buying Twitter, but he changes his mind all the time. So he's not really going to be buying Twitter. Like, they're actually publishing articles about this. Um, but here's the thing. There is, on both sides, a billion-dollar penalty that if you pull out of the deal, you owe the other side a billion dollars. Now, I don't know about you, but even somebody that's super rich can't just afford to squander a billion dollars on, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't really mean that. That's like federal government money. That's the only people who could afford to say, oh, that was a mistake. I didn't really mean that. And the federal government does that an awful lot. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, especially in military procure procurement. They do that an awful lot. They get to the end of it and they say, oh, Boy, that was a mistake. I think that's coming with the F-35, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're uh, they're researching how to create a next-gen F-16 and, and doing all kinds of stuff that look like uh, the F-35 is, is just not going to cut it as, uh, as the fighter jet they were selling it as. Uh, but anyways... I don't think Elon Musk is going to pull out, but the deal is not officially closed for six months. So he isn't actually technically owning Twitter yet, but uh, people are... You remember Argo. Did you ever see Argo? No. No? Uh, are you talking about the... That's the Ben Affleck movie, right? Yeah, it's about uh, getting the hostages out of Iran. Well, there's this one scene where they know for a fact that the embassy is about to be taken by uh, terrorists, right? By these Iranian terrorists. And so they are running around like mad, getting all of the classified documents out of drawers, uh, file cabinets and everywhere, and just burning them en masse, throwing them into furnaces, burning them in you know waste paper baskets, ensuring that none of this classified information goes to the Iranians. So that's what Twitter's doing before uh, before Elon shows up and can demand it. They're turning off all the shadow bans. They're unbanning all the people they kicked off. They are doing everything they can to make it seem like they never did all the crap they clearly did. So like well, that's funny. That's funny because like you said, it hasn't even happened yet. It it will happen. It looks like it's going to happen, but they're they're just preemptively before anybody actually sees anything. All of a sudden, people who are shadow banned for forever, for years, uh, they're having their followers tell them, "Oh, hey, I can see your posts now." Yep, literally happened to me. Uh. Somebody said, wow, I haven't seen your tweets in, in years. Um, uh, just twice. 
I'm not saying it was a blizzard of people coming on I just twice so far. I'm not trying to over-exaggerate how oppressed I was under the Twitter system. But I had a whole account I abandoned. I had a 12,000-follower account I abandoned because A, I was shadow banned, and B, I was throttled with my followers. Every time I would gain followers, I would lose an equal amount, and so I couldn't progress. So I walked away from a 12,000-follower account and have, have you know, earned up to where I am right now, which is not 12,000, just person by person again um the hard way i'm not complaining you know i'm a big boy i can take my lumps um but like all of a sudden all these left-wing accounts are complaining about losing vast numbers of followers and they're all bots that have gotten kicked off and they're so they're so traumatized by the twitter environment of 2014 to 2016 that their their old boogeyman the uh the the far right Nazis are going to come back to Twitter, be, you know, with Uncle Elon's blessing. They're terrified of the boogeyman. Um, so Twitter's been kicking off bots that they knew about, bot followers, that they could have been kicking off any time before, but they weren't. So all these left-wing accounts have been losing bots, and then all of a sudden major right-wing accounts or dissident accounts, people who aren't right-wing, but dissented against the prevailing orthodoxy have been gaining you know literally tens of thousands of followers in one day just through the roof james woods gained 30,000 followers in one day well that guy already had half of twitter following him yeah so it's just uh it's astonishing uh and then like accounts with big numbers who got banned just get are getting letters from twitter or trying to sign in and finding you know messages that say oh yeah we had banned you for this but we decided we're not going to suddenly anymore for literally no reason they have no reason just twitter saying nope you're not banned anymore uh, Mombot, I don't know if you remember Mombot, is back. Sure. Uh, got back on yesterday, I think. Um, so, yeah, there's a bunch of people uh, who you may have been following. I, I found out that now that Mombot is back, I'm automatically refollowing. So, yeah, that's that's cool. Some people who are really, really cool. Glomar is back. I don't know if I should say that because that's on the shady side of Twitter. Um, well, that's okay. I think we're on the shady side of the internet, technically. <laughs> uh, yeah, somebody was asking about something and I shared it and I'm like, yeah, I've got friends in low places. And then I stopped and realized that this message board I was on for like 10 years now uh i'm like wait a minute i'm a friend in low places <laughs> i'm that guy I, i'm the I'm guy that garth brooks was singing about <laughs> um so yeah we're it's just funny to watch it's been an amusing week it's been highly entertaining and elon musk has clicked into high gear on the quote-unquote fun posting so that's been entertaining too and this lady just goes out there and says, I'm blocking Elon Musk. And I'm like, why? He is literally not doing anything except hosting funny things and occasionally memes and just expressing the most harmless opinions. Uh, I, I disagree with a lot of what he's saying, but it's like, he's, he's not saying anything that's offensive. He's not saying anything that's even borderline offensive. They're completely like normie opinions. I mean, they're they're innocuous opinions that any one of a number of people would hold. Like today, he said, well, butrin is worse than Adderall. It should be taken off the market. I've talked to a bunch of people, and every time well, butrin comes up, 
somebody has a suicide or near suicide story. That's the entire tweet. Why are you going to block a man for saying that? Unless right. you're really, really angry about Will Buchan. I can see that. It's personal for you. But that's just a normie opinion. That's just, you know, man, you should see the stuff that comes across my feed. <laughs> I should not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my mental health like, is better well, that way. You, you probably shouldn't. He, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably not stuff. But yeah, it's it's just, I don't know. It's been a fun week on Twitter. Wow. Uh, absolutely crazy. Uh, I love hearing stuff like that happening uh, on Twitter. I Because uh, the world is crazy, and I like it when it gets a little bit crazier. Diablo. The official Diablo account from blizzard tweeted out this week that twitter has always been hell and always will be <laughs> that's cute and i i think that just caps off the week that's it that's all i have to say about that <laughs> how was your week man my week's good uh, not much to tell on the home front. Things are doing well at home. I have once again dived deeper into the nuts and bolts of managing a NPC or a high-level PC in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. It's it's been a lot of fun, and to be honest, if you really if you want to win. You know what I'm talking about. If you want to win at RPGs, you can put in a lot of work. It doesn't seem like it at first, but if uh, if Macho Mandolf has taught us anything, it's that there's a lot of rules you can bend to your will to get stuff done. And if... A low-effort game master can just deal with the random tables and and make stuff up as they go, and that's perfect for session play. That's exactly what you want. But if you're sitting down with a with an army or a bunch of resources or some land, some hexes, if you will, on the world map, there's a lot of management you can do or need to do to be successful with that character and that setup. And that's been a very uh, entertaining and rewarding endeavor, if time consuming. And I'm not gonna go into too much detail. Uh, let's just say that I've got an army of dwarves and I'm trying to figure out what to do with them. And uh, you're slowly building a dungeon. Indeed. Um, the mining rules in particular, I have to give a shout out. I just saw this week a brilliant video by uh, J The Joy of Wargaming. I should put a link into the show notes. Uh, he, he did another How to Win at RPGs post that sort of ties everything together uh, that we've been talking about for weeks. And he, he mentions the mining rules. You know, if, if you want to, if you want to dig tunnels or, and this sounds really silly and mundane, right? But if you want to dig tunnels or if you want to just mine for gems and precious metals, you know, we've got rules for that. Like this, this role-playing game, this Dungeon Master Guide, it's a complete game. And yeah, if, if you want to take advantage of that, you can build a dungeon and, and the Game Master has just offloaded all that work to you. And it didn't cost you didn't have to buy a module or anything like that. And I think what makes it cooler is that it's organic. It's like part of your world. It's it's not a module that you purchased and you dropped into your world, which that's pretty common and recommended. But having someone come in and say, "Hey, oh, you want me to you want me to represent this what effectively is just a random encounter of dwarves." That's all it is. You just in the monster manual rolled up 300 dwarves and said, okay, this is you, right? 
you can do so much more than just be an annoying wandering army. Um, you can actually add to the game. It's cool. It's cool. I'm gushing. I'll stop. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Macho Mandoff also taught us that the cream always rises to the top. Chat loves Broazar. I uh, I don't want to go into this, uh, except to except to say that I got my licks in on this argument early, and then left, uh, and then it apparently grew big enough to encompass all of TTRPG Twitter. Uh, but I'd already had the argument and walked away, and I, I apparently I missed all the super uh, arguments, and I'm just happy about that. That I was early in, early out. Um, hey, I've been I've been back on on TTR, or I've been back on Twitter a little bit uh, in the past couple of weeks, and TTRPG is one of the worst. Yeah. Hashtags. Oh, I I got a rant. Oh. Bring but it. Anyways, they had another. A uh, few days of there's this artist on Twitter. Pronouns in the bio. PIB. I found I, I found out what that means this week, so now I can use that uh, slang. And, and it's pronouns in the bio, um, <laughs> uh, which, which automatically tells you really almost everything you need to know. Um, oh yeah, and. Uh, this artist likes drawing orcs, like, you know, hot female orcs. Okay. Everybody's got a thing. All right. Uh, and it's a, it's a, she, her, those are her pronouns. Uh, I don't know if it's actually a guy cause it's the internet. Um, there are no girls on the internet. That's what they tell me. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to take that as a, as a very solid starting point. Um, but she said, I just hate it when I go around to all these dungeon masters and they don't let me play a pacifist orc. <laughs> Okay, that's that statement is just absurd on its face. <laughs> and that's all it took. Now, admittedly, I don't think it was meant as bait, but it became bait. And I just said, look, orcs are monsters. And they're evil. You know? I'm not going to look up my actual tweet, um, but, you know, don't complain about the way DMs are running their games. You know, if you want to make up your own world, make orcs be whatever you want to be, but those game masters are running orcs the way they are. Uh, and then I had a bunch of people I engaged bunch i had like three people respond to that who were trying to be four i had four people respond to that three of them trying to be kind of argumentative but would at least listen to the my responses and respond like a decent person and another one who was clearly disingenuous and just wanted a chance to rant uh so i ignored that one and answered the other three and you know went through it they were asking me well what about this and that i said well look if you're playing warhammer yeah, orcs have a culture and they're not, they're people. They're not monsters, they're people. Um, for those of you in the crowd who know what I'm talking about, um, orcs are not, we're going to go with Torg here, specifically Isle. Uh, their magic system, there's an arcane knowledge called folk. And folk are people. They are all the races that are like humans. So like humans are folk, Vulcans would be folk, Klingons would be folk, orcs, 
the always evil monster race are not full. But Warcraft, uh, or excuse me, yeah, Warcraft, World of Warcraft and Warcraft orcs would be full because they built them that way. Shadowrun orcs are folk. They're people you can have, you know, pacifist Shadowrun orcs. Earthdawn orcs are folk. You can have pacifist Earthdawn orcs. But if you're playing AD&D, first edition, no. That's, that's what orcs are. They're monsters. Sorry. You don't get to play a pacifist orc in that game. Um... Unless the game master has chosen to do things different. But that was my main point was stop complaining about what game masters do. If they don't want pacifist orcs, then they don't want pacifist orcs. And then someone who follows me, um, and I can't remember the name right now, much apologies, said, well, plus, you're an adventurer. You go out and hunt down monsters and kill them and take their treasure. Why the hell do you want to be a pacifist? <laughs> Why? What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to use, man? Harsh language? So, uh, yeah. I got my licks in and walked away, but apparently it got huge and spread all across uh, TTRPG Twitter again, and and it was big and unpleasant, and people were really, really unhappy about it, and I was just like, oh, well, I'm really glad I missed that, and it all came back to that tweet. That was the funny thing about it. This wasn't a tweet in response to the already burning uh, controversy. This is the tweet that it kicked it all off again. And I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> so I got one other role-playing thing I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, I want to read this tweet. Uh, actually, it was really easy to find. Because it's from my timeline, but, you know, it was, it was easy to scroll down to. The Reckless Attack Podcast. A TTRPG okay. interview show from the Foundation for Inclusivity in Gaming. Mm -hmm. Now that should tell you everything you know, need to know. If you're familiar with the jargon of oh, yeah. people. Our latest Reckless A-Talk featuring Allies Nerd of Play Nerd Allies and the Foundation for Inclusivity in Gaming is out. We talk growing up nerdy, decolonizing the space, telling big stories, and saving lives with TTRPG. Visit our main feed or the link below and listen now. Hmm. So, excuse me while I take a sip of water. Uh, here's my response on my tweet. None of these people are real role gamers. They are posers. Just look at the language they use. They have no love for the hobby, just for the virtue signaling. Uh, they talk about decolonizing the space. The Uh, the only people colonizing this space are the people who hate the hobby, who hate the players of the hobby, and who want to, and so they're the ones colonizing this hobby. 
they hate the hobby because they hate everything the hobby has been about. They refer to evil monsters as a tired old trophy. Trophy is just another word for cliche, but they can't use cliche because it doesn't make them smart sound smart enough. Cliche is a word that anybody can use because everybody knows what the word cliche means, but tropey is kind of a more obscure word that only a few people use. Uh, and it's common among us, uh, people who listen to this show and people in the Pulp Rev and Broasar and uh, other places online, but normal people don't know what it means. So it makes you sound smart. And that's the only reason they use tropey is so they can sound smart. Um, it's a contemptible word if you just mean cliche and you don't want to use it. Back to my other end. Um, they hate evil races because it's a tired old cliche. And I'm just going to use cliche because I don't need to make myself sound smart. People who are genuinely smart don't need to make themselves sound smart. Um, these people want to change everything about the hobby. Because they don't actually love role gaming. They don't actually love playing the games. They don't actually love D&D. They don't actually love RuneQuest. They don't actually love Call of Cthulhu. They hate them because all they do is complain, complain, complain about... Uh, the usual array of things this type of people complain about. Apparently, this show is going to be a lot more political than usual. I apologize. That's just the way things rolled on Twitter this week. Uh, we usually stay away from the politics, but we're going to have to dip a little bit this week because I love role gaming and I love role playing games. Um, and these people have ticked me off this week. And so I'm apparently I'm going to rant about it. Um, these are not planned or scripted. So, you know, you just get this today. <laughs> um, they hate the hobby because they accuse all the games of being sexist, racist, homophobic, transphobic, um, misogynistic. Um, those are all the ones I can think of now, but there's a, oh, there's a list. And the list just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. Um, and they want to change them all. They want to take away everything that this, that not only defines the hobby of role gaming, that defines the very fiction that inspired the hobby. Uh, oh, uh, Matthew Martin in the chat, ableist, colonialist. So all the pulp books, John Carter of Mars, um, everything in Appendix N, they, they just want to get rid of it and change it all and throw it all away in the trash um, and suppressed it, suppress it because they hate it. Um, and they accuse all these works of being all this bad stuff and want to edit them or just get rid of them or completely. So they hate the hobby. So that's the number one thing. They're coming into the hobby, hating all of it and wanting to change all of it. Then they're coming into the hobby, accusing all the players of being that. And generally lying about it. Oh, I'm a black person and I'm and sorry, getting political here, or I'm a gay person or I'm a woman and I came into the hobby and all of these white male gamers just wouldn't have me at their table, which is a lie. Um, geeks are the most welcoming people on the planet. It comes from being outcasts because... They like things that most people don't like. They have fun doing things that most people uh, don't do. And they're 
they're enthusiastic about it. And they're, if anything, more tolerant than they should be. They're more welcoming than they should be. And if you've read the geek fallacies, um, you know, very, very sometimes mentally unwell people just get welcomed in and they put up with it even sometimes when they shouldn't. Um, especially women. If you're a bunch of geeks playing D&D in high school and a girl wanted to come up and play with you, you're never going to say no to that, ever. And you're not going to abuse them or make fun of them. And geeks don't care what the color of your skin is at all, ever. You want to sit down and play because you love fantasy or you love science fiction or whatever, they will welcome you in all the live long day. They don't care if you're Asian or black or Native American or Hispanic or Indian. And I mean that from the subcontinent. They will welcome you in and have you, you know, sit down at the table and try to help you so much if you're new to the hobby that it's almost stifling. Um, it, it does not matter to the geeks. So these people come into the hobby. They hate the people who play the hobby. They hate the hobby itself. They want to kick out all the people who play the hobby. And they want to rewrite everything. That is colonialism. They're trying to colonize the hobby. Move in, take it over, and remake it in their own image. And having not evil races, not just orcs, but not evil races, is one of the steps in colonization, one of the steps in changing everything to match their uh match their agenda to match their way of seeing things because fundamentally speaking most of them don't believe in capital g good and capital e evil anyway so there is no good and evil in the sense of alignment for D D, and there is um you know so there is no cosmic force of good or evil that empowers uh, or is affiliated with gods or that infuses planes or that people are infused with when they choose to behave in certain ways, when they choose an allegiance to these forces or that literally place entire otherwise incomprehensible languages into your brain and then erase them and replace them with brand new, entirely incomprehensible languages when you shift allegiances. Because that's what alignment languages are. They are not things you study. There's no books of vocabulary for alignment languages. They're not things you have to learn. They're not things you can teach. They're not things anybody can learn. They are just languages that are placed in your mind and erased and replaced when you change alignment. Okay? They are concrete undeniable solid proof that good and evil and also law and chaos are objectively real and have concrete tenets that affect the world and most of these people don't believe in objective good and evil and so can't hang with it they don't want evil races because they don't believe, fundamentally speaking, in evil. Most of them. Um, 
it is, it angers me when they diss is the word that's coming to mind right now, insult uh, the founders of the hobby, Arneson and Gygax, uh, the, the pioneers who spread out from them, the people who wrote Tunnels and Trolls and uh, all the rest of the other early games, Traveler and so forth. Um, when they insult players today um, or players in the past, when they make up stories about them, it's just, and when they try to deform the hobby of role gaming, um, it is offensive and it is wrong. And uh, they've been doing that this week. The orc fight was just one of them. Um, one example, and a couple of weeks ago, it was it was accusing gamers of being racist and so on and so forth. I just... I hate it and I will not stand for it because I love this hobby and uh, I am I am I take a stand for it whenever I can um, and I won't lie I uh, I like orcs as people as folk but That doesn't change the fact that in AD&D, they are an always evil race. They are literally created by Grumish, the god of murder and slaughter, and he personally watches over each of them. And if an orc is going aberrant in the village because Grumish is real, uh, he'll curse them. And then the rest of the society will... Pounce on them and kill them because they worship a god of murder. Um, you know, and I just read a couple news stories about the Maya and uh, the Aztecs this week. So I'm going to get a little gruesome here for a second. They found what they thought was a crime scene in Mexico near the Guatemalan border. And it was um, a 150 skulls, mostly female. And these uh, skulls had been decapitated and put in this cave. But before they were decapitated, uh, they had knocked out all the teeth of the victims. So this is real world among human beings. You know, and then we found pits in, in Mexico City where thousands and thousands of victims who had been murdered to the sun god to make sure the sun came up each day and then their skin flayed off and the priests dance around it and they had been cannibalized and eaten as part of this ceremony these are real cultures of human beings right now how many quote-unquote good pacifist Aztecs were there? I'm sure there were maybe a few, but where did they have the opportunity to grow up and reject their culture if they were raised in that culture and saw that as normal and had no chance to get out of it? And then where would they go? Where would they live if all the other cultures in the area were as murderous as that? Um, 
Where would they separate themselves from where they wouldn't be hunted down because the Aztecs invaded everybody around them, captured them, and sacrificed them? Um, and those are people. Those are folk, right? Those are not magical beings who are personally created by Groomish to be always evil and were personally watched over by their god to ensure that they're always evil or they get cursed or taken care of in other ways. So yeah, always evil races can exist and make sense. Um, so you just want to, all they're doing is trying to impose their morality by colonization of role gaming. And I hate it, and I'm not going to put up with it anymore. Uh, I just, I love this hobby, and I'm, I am going to defend it the best I can. That was, that felt long. Did that go really long? It went a little long. <laughs> we'll let you have it, though. You're allowed. It's, it's something worth being passionate about, because I think... Um, you touched on it, and I think a couple of people in chat touched on it, especially about alignment languages. Um, there's, it's not just the games that you're protecting. It's it's it is a as as grown worthy as it is. It is a culture war issue. I'm reminded of uh, someone I was talking to about uh, bro SR adjacent things. You know the OSR and you know the the attitudes about how you play the game and, and how you interact with it and everything. And uh, I asked him what he thought about, and I forget what exactly it was, something it might have been one-to-one -one time or, or whatever, or the, you know, like roll 3D6 straight, high lethality OSR style game, right? And he says, I tell you, I, I don't like that I can tell what side of the culture war this is on, right? It's weird. It's not only, and it's not really about the game. It's about everything. It's about everything. This is another example of a group of, you know, two groups of people that fundamentally don't see reality the same way. And they can't interact. The people who don't understand and hate the hobby, they really, as you say, they are truly colonizing the hobby because it wasn't theirs, or which is which is bizarre because of all of the how should we put it, all of the uh, liberal or left leaning or or what have you type players. Uh, the hobby's full of them, always has been. We're talking about the woke. This is something crazier, something more insidious. Yeah. It, when I was, my first year of college, I met a bunch of new people who played role-playing games. Um, and they were all, you know, leftists, Clinton supporters and stuff like that. But they loved role-playing. They weren't, you know destructive people who hated role-playing and wanted to change it all for their politics. We were good friends. Mm -hmm. So whatever's going on, it's, it's just, it's another front. Stand up for, stand, stand up for what you believe in. And as weird as this sound sounds, gatekeeping is good. If gatekeeping keeps true evil out of your uh, life and out of your hobby, do it. Yeah, they're fanatical. Thanks, Bradford Walker. It's a shame. So that was my two cents. That went really long, so. Be All rest right. assured, our handsome and intelligent uh, audience... We are not through talking about RPGs just for this week. Just for this week, yeah. I so what's realize, new, DW? I didn't realize I was that ticked off. 
You just um, go with the flow. Yeah. So I, uh, well, we've got, we've got just enough time to do the one review I wanted to do. Uh, let me give you some previews real quick. Um, I've watched the first episode of the last season of The Expanse, so that's my next TV show I'm watching. So hopefully I'll have a review of that real soon. I've been watching Halo, uh, the TV series, so I'll give you some of that coming up. Um, I will be, I've been watching Picard too. Um, and so I'll be doing a review of that coming up. Um, neither of those series are out. They're not finished yet. So I'm having to watch them one episode a week. Uh, uh, that's why I'm not doing a review yet. Uh, but I have watched the last two seasons of Discovery. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's uh, let's hear it. Star Trek Discovery, with the most unfortunate abbreviation ever. Yes, I have. Um... <laughs> I want to say this about the last two seasons of Discovery: they didn't do everything wrong. Oh. That's nice. <laughs> um, they're trying really hard to make it exciting and trying really hard to have some action and adventure in their Star Trek. But it's all kind of by rote like somebody told him that the adventurous stuff in star trek is like uh you know when the ship gets hit and things shake and you know there's sparks at the console and people go flying well they have not just sparks coming down from the consoles Coming out from the consoles, they have sparks that fly down from the ceiling, like really big sparks. Um, and then in the engine room or the engineering space, they have literal flames that shoot up out of the floor whenever they get hit hard. <laughs> like little three, four inch high, maybe five or six inch high bursts of flame. And this is not when they get hit exceptionally hard. This is every single time they get hit. In Voyager and Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, and I learned this from watching the interview with, uh, I think it was Marina Sirtis, talking about how they were trained. They would have directions from the direction. They had different gradations of this. They would shake the camera, and the cast would have to stumble back and forth when something hit the ship, right? But they would have different gradations of it, ranging from a 1 to a 10. A 1 is just a little bit of a bump, and they would practice these. They would rehearse these independent of the show so that in the show the director would say give me a three and they would all be on the same page and all would be stumbling about the same intensity and the camera would be shaking appropriately so that you know when something hit the ship and it was just a little shock they'd stand in place and they'd shake just a bit and you've seen that in a star trek next generation episode the ship would shake just a little bit and you'd be like oh okay that's a small tremor and you wouldn't really think about it but then they'd have like a five and then people would stumble about and the camera would shake more and then a 10 is people like getting thrown over consoles and things exploding they don't have any gradation on star trek discovery it's all 10 
all the time. That's it. Go hard or go home. It, and it, you just stop paying attention to it. It stops mattering. You're just like, oh, sparks, flames. A guy console doesn't just spark. It literally explodes. And you're like, yep, he's dead. There's no way that console didn't fling shrapnel into his face. He uh, he looks just, just like one of those dudes in Saving Private Ryan, okay? In the beach scene. That's They don't show that, but there's no way he got out of that without ending up like a Saving Private Ryan beach scene casualty. It just does not happen. And so they're trying. They're really trying hard. And I guess I'm I'm judging this on like one of those challenged kids in elementary school, you know, who really can't do the work, but he's trying really, really hard. And you just have to grade him on that. You know he can't do the work, so you're grading him on that. Um, they just, gosh darn it, he's trying so hard. They really are. They're really trying, but they can't do the work and they're not succeeding. Uh, they do actually have a mystery. And they actually have two mysteries and they're even kind of mysterious. I found myself against my will loathing the entire show or loathing the show as an entire thing but still wanting to see the next episode. And you can't imagine the self-loathing that goes with that. Knowing that this is a bad show, knowing that it's terrible on so many levels, but still wanting to see the next episode because you actually want to find out what the mystery is. Knowing that it's probably going to be a stupid, lame solution to the mystery and finally getting to the bottom of the mystery and going, yep, that was stupid. I don't know what I was thinking, wanting to wanting to see the next episode because I got wow. to the bottom of the mystery finally like six or seven episodes in and it was dumb. <laughs> It was brain-numbingly dumb. So they do create a sense of suspense that, I don't know, if it's like Stockholm Syndrome mystery to where I, I was watching it basically for the show. Um, but I still wanted to find the answer out to the mystery. I didn't care about anything else really on the show. It's kind of hard to care about the characters. But... Man, did I kind of want to see the next episode to find out the next thing in the mystery. Uh, and it's a better mystery than the Red Angel mystery from season two. Uh, I don't even remember if there was a mystery for season one or if there was just a plot. I don't know. <laughs> it really left an impression, didn't it? Yeah. I I was literally like watching the beginning of season three because I'd watched one and two before and they were saying previously on Star Trek Discovery and they were showing me all these scenes and I'm like, crap. I have to go back and watch season two because I have never seen any of this. None of this. I have never seen any of this. I must not have finished that season. And then I was watching the beginning of it and they were showing some more scenes. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I have seen that. Literally, this is not a bit. This is not a joke. This is literally what happened. And I realized I had seen all those season, those scenes in the like 
previously on Star Trek Discovery. I just didn't remember the. I, I have seen, like, four full episodes with Captain Pike, in the previous season, which admittedly was like two or three years ago. But I didn't remember any of them. I didn't remember hardly anything about two full seasons of the show. It just it drops out of your brain because there's nothing memorable about it. There's nothing good about it. Uh, it's just not terrible stuff. Um, and it's sad. They did one kind of interesting thing, and I stress kind of interesting. They're actually trying to do continuity between Picard and Star Trek Discovery. Like in Picard last season, they came up with this Romulan order who always, always, always tells the truth. Uh, they call it Extreme Candor, which I think they ripped off of Don't Lie to Me, which was a great show uh, that I remember a lot about because it was a good show, even though it got canceled after the first season. And I saw that in like the early aughts. It was a good enough show. I remember it just, you know, so you can have a comparison on my memory. It's not me going senile. It's, it's bad show. Um, <laughs> and they're like monks. And I mean that in the strictly AD&D class sense. <laughs> they're like monks. Um, but these monks, uh, they then have that same order show up in the fourth season of Discovery uh, because continuity. And they've done that with a few things. Uh, so that's not bad. That's not a bad thing. That's actually kind of cool. They're trying to, you know, trying to make things matter. Trying to make things that happen one season matter in another season of two different shows. Uh, not in a Marvel movie sense, but in an actual, you know, continuity sense. Um, and they did some interesting things in this fourth season. They jumped to like 3000 and something AD in time. So they're far beyond the temporal cold war that was talked about in enterprise. And, um, they did some interesting things with that. The Romulans and Vulcans actually have settled their differences the way Spock wanted them to. And, are now living both together on Vulcan, um, although they renamed the planet after their union of species. Uh, and I like that because I had a, you know, I was designing a background for a Star Trek role-playing game I was wanting to run, and I had the Romulans and Vulcans united. Um, and they actually had an episode called Unification 3, which member Berries was uh, the title of those two next generation episodes, Unification 1 and Unification 2, around the uh, start when Star Trek 6 came out, the movie. Ah! Continuity. It was <laughs> literally a member berries uh, episode. It's like, oh, here, nostalgia. Like us, like us, please. Um, but yeah, they did a, a couple of nods like that. Uh, so literally, they didn't do everything bad. But great, uh, that's what I want out of my entertainment. They didn't yeah. do everything bad. <laughs> uh, they've done a couple of interesting things. This is not a defense of the show. This is not me saying you should watch it. No. This is me telling you that other than what I'm talking about, everything else is terrible. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, everything else is terrible. It really is. Everything and is terrible. Someone on Twitter said, I, or Facebook, someone on Facebook said, I, I, I kind of approach your reviews like... Uh, uh, zero punctuation and that you're appraiser by exception if you don't mention it 
it's probably good. Uh, and I'm telling you, in this case, if I'm not mentioning it, it's not good. I'm literally telling you all the good things I can remember about the series. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. That's it. I'm emptied out. My soul is, my soul is empty. I have nothing to give. <laughs> I haven't watched it. But I will say this about The Expanse. I really, really, really like the first episode of the last season. It's the season six, and it's going to be the last season of The Expanse. It's all out. So I am really sincerely hoping to uh, get through that and watch it for uh, next week. Um, my review of Halo is not likely to be glowing. My review of Picard is uh, um, yeah, it's that. the The only the, the the metaphor that keeps coming to my mind is my review of Picard is unlikely to be described in terms like gushing and enthusiastic and hey, happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got uh, it. Well, that's okay. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to catch up with you on the expanse, but I did begin the first season and, uh, I did. I do like what I'm seeing so far. I will tell you this. I started watching the Star Trek animated series. Um, and I was happier with the credits because that's all I watched. I just watched the credits so I could put it in my play now queue so I would remember to watch it. I was happier with what I saw of the credits of the Star Trek animated series than I was with all of Discovery. <laughs> there it is that sounds really harsh doesn't it if it's the truth it's the truth oh well you know sometimes when I'm doing a bad review I feel kind of defensive for the movie because a lot of these movies are really better than I make them sound sometimes and that's all I'll say look this is a qualified yes if you like these things, you like the movie. I'm not giving a qualified anything with Discovery. I'm really not. It's 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 not good. But it's were, very not good. <laughs> yeah, there were some interesting things in it that if you have if you have to watch it, you'll learn to appreciate the interesting and not bad bits that are there. So that, that's why I focus on those in the reviews of terrible things is because those are the moments that alleviate the the pain. That's a depressing thought for today. You got me. Hey, let's wrap it up for today. That was, uh, it was fun to chat about RPGs as usual. And uh, thank you for watching stuff that I don't have to. <laughs> um, I don't have anything else to say but thanks for everybody for hanging out uh, we are I, I want to talk about next week uh, this is this is a surprise next week is the Bone Bad Comedy of Horrors Film Festival in Seattle so come up and say hi if you're into that sort of thing but I probably will not be here for a show next week Oh, I, I want to clarify that animated series stuff. It is the original Star Trek animated series with, with Spock and Kirk and the Enterprise and, and Sulu and stuff. It was. It, it's not the new animated series. Uh, I watched one episode. And this will tell you how bad the show is. I watched four seasons of Discovery. I watched one episode of Lower Decks and I couldn't watch any more. That was just too painful to watch I, I i couldn't review that series so that's that's where i place lower deck in the hierarchy of bad stuff is it was just 
too too much for me. Um, and I, I, I'm not even going to try to watch Prodigy. I, I am just zeroed out on that. I, I apparently even I have limits. What it, I you know? Them? I don't. I'm not going to ask because I don't care. <laughs> uh, I'm done. It was a it was a good chat. Good week, everybody. Take it away, DW. I I just want to say thank you to everybody who uh, listened live. I want to th say thank you to everybody who will listen later. Uh, we're available on youtubecom slash geekgab. That's youtubecom slash geekgab. Uh, just about every Saturday at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and you can adjust the times as obviously for Central and Mountain. Or you can catch us uh, later during the week on SoundCloud.com on the Apple iTunes Store or on the Google Play Store. We are available in all those places, and I am. Uh, we are seriously considering expanding to other venues uh, and looking into that very, very... Uh, we just need to get around to do it. That's really what it is. It's laziness. I'm not lying. I just, I just need to go into Amazon and fill it out, and we'll be available on Amazon, too. Sue me. Um, I was watching Discovery. You'd have no idea how much that drains a man. You just don't. You have no idea what that does to your strength. You just... I, I swear, it's its like getting afflicted with uh, what they call the yuppie disease. Chronic fatigue syndrome. It is like artificially induced chronic fatigue syndrome, man. I'm not lying to you. Okay, I'm actually lying to you. It's not that bad, but... I think you're being facetious. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. Um, but uh, we want to say uh, check it out on the device of your choice or watch it on the web. Thank you, everybody. We are signing out for today. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.